This is a subject that is very delicate and that I have to be very careful with because I've seen a lot over the years, and I've done this thing of being a pastor for 30 years. And um, you see some things that you kind of want to forget, you know? And uh, so sometimes I just forget. (laughs) But uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And and I want to be fair on this thing um, because what we really need here is some some radiosomation thinking on this issue and um, reasoned out thinking through those issues um, more specifically to think about these things. So I want to be precise. At the same time, I don't want to um, just paint the church universal or individually as and Christians with one broad, uh, one broad brush, but I want to dig a little deeper on the whole issue and talk about it. At the same time, I want to be fair because I really could stand here for as long as you wanted to listen and bash the church. I could do that very easily, whether we're talking about uh, individual churches, whether we're talking about denominations, whether we're talking about different kinds. I, I could stand here all day and just give you one example after another of, as one writer put it, churches that abuse because it happens, and I don't necessarily just mean uh, uh, the abuse in the way we take that I'm talking about in terms of psychologically and, and uh, in terms of the words that they would say and so forth as well. So in the interest of being fair, I want to start off with something. Maybe you maybe didn't, weren't expecting this, but in the interest of, of trying to be fair and balanced, if you can, if you can do that, um, I just want to say a couple things about the church, because I, I love the church. And I really do. I have committed my life to, to Christ, but the vehicle that he gives us for the message of the gospel, which is the church. And the church is an easy target. I mean, let's face it, it's an easy target. Because is it really fair so the church individually or, or universally you know, makes some mistakes in terms of interpersonal relationships? Is it fair then that they should just be just chastised and condemned because of that? Um, is it fair that, that, uh, that the church is expected and hopefully has a higher standard, and then when they don't live up to that standard, we just reap criticism upon criticism or criticism? Is that fair? Is that better than not having any standard at all? Of course not. Um, and then people always say, well, what's wrong with Christianity? And sometimes they will include the church in that, is that all the wrong that has been done in the name of Christ and of the church. And, and you know, there's some truth to that. We can think of certainly the um, Inquisition. We can think of the Crusades. And we can think of things more modern. We can think of, of Calvin um, in Switzerland killing uh, a bunch of people because they weren't Calvinist. It's not funny. But, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. We, uh, in one of our men's groups, we just finished this book. Well, we finished it last, earlier this year, um, the Eric Metaxas book on how to win, friend, or how to win friends. That's not the one. How, everything you want to know about God, but we're afraid to ask. Okay? We're in a different one now, the language of God. I'm going to quote from that in a minute, too. But he makes a point here that I think is worth repeating, and that is this. Think of all the atheistic regimes and the number of lives they have taken. You know, people say, well, what kind of people died in the name of Christianity and the church? Well, there have been some. But let's talk about... Stalin. Let's talk about Hitler. Let's talk about Pol Pot. Let's talk about Mao. Let's talk about Castro. What's the deal with Castro now? People want to go meet Castro. I mean, why don't you just go to Leavenworth and meet some other murderer, you know? I don't, I don't know what, what the deal is. All of a sudden, he's become, because like, he's old, he's like, oh, let's go see this 
freaking communist who's killed more missionaries than you shake a stick at. Anyway, you think, a little sorry, I just, I just, it's one of those things, whenever I see that and you see some other famous person going to see Castor, I'm like, what? Do you not understand what this guy's done? Anyway, think of Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot, Mao, Castro, all the godless regimes that have committed atrocities that aren't even in the same ballpark as what happened in the Crusades. Not that that was okay, or the Inquisition. Not that that was okay. Uh, according to Metax in his book, he, he, he does the, all the numbers. I don't know that these numbers are correct, and I am not one who's going to disagree with anybody's numbers because I'm still working on the multiplication table. But, but um, um, he, he, according to his numbers, which, which educated people have disagreed with, but it gives you just a general idea. He says it's like about 300,000 to one atheistic regimes that how many people they have killed versus Christians or the church throughout the centuries. He says about 300,000 to one on ratio. And even, even if that's not exactly correct, it gives you a pretty good idea that, yeah, a lot of bad things have happened in the name of the church, but a whole lot more bad has happened in the name of atheistic regimes. Don't forget that. So I just I want to say that. Now, the second thing I want to say about that is, uh, just very quickly, and again, uh, this isn't a defense of the church, but I want to, I want to do a little positive before I launch into the <laughs> blasting and some of the things that really bother, have bothered all of us. Think of all the good things that have happened because of the church, universal. Think of all the, the hospitals that are here because of churches. Think of Red Cross started out of the church, Christians. Salvation Army, which is, they, I love Salvation Army. I still always give them when they're ringing the bell, you know. I still throw in a dollar or two, and I don't do that very often because of, uh, I know their mission, even still today, and, and their desire to help the poor, and, and, and they're all that I have known, at least staying true to the message of Christ. I mean, there are many, and, and think, I mean, we just celebrated Martin Luther King's, we didn't celebrate it, we mourned the, the loss of Martin Luther King. Um, you know, in the name of the church, we have, we have, Integration. It was Christians who did that. You say, well, there were some Christians who... who st-. Yeah, there have, been some, there have been some bigots come in all sizes and colors and denominations. Still do, by the way. But we don't, we don't paint the whole church as bigoted because there were a few extreme cases that were. Um, Martin Luther King came through the church. And those who helped him, white or black, came through the... You know, they, they were people who had faith. So think about that, about the time you start ready to condemn and get mad at this thing called church. Having said that, I just want to make a couple quick statements. The church is the conduit that God has given for Christ to be known. The church is the vehicle that God has given us to proclaim this redemptive, restoration, uh, restorative message of, of forgiveness and hope in Christ. The church is the vehicle God has given us for that. It's a message, it's the message that it really does declare the last great hope for mankind, the message of Christ, which comes through the church, the true church. Now, unfortunately, churches over the centuries, including today, have these people that infiltrate it, and sometimes they're well-intended, sometimes they're not. I have chosen to use the term jerk. Now, the truth is, I chose to use a couple of other words. 
And I put them down on my notes, and I gave them to, to, to Steve and Clay to look at, and they said, you know you can't use those words, can't you? And I said, don't you? And I said, probably not, but it really describes how I feel. And, uh, and so we, 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 I said, change them. Well, I don't care. You can change the words, whatever you want to. You know, we don't have to say jerk. But I said, you know, I don't want to hear difficult people because that's got no teeth, you know? We're all, you know, I, I want something to really describe what all of us or many of us have experienced at times. People who were just j- jerks. Almost said one of those words. And you know that, and you know that happens. And sometimes there are people who are in my position, and sometimes there are people who are in leadership position. Sometimes there's people, 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 and, and, and just, just in the pew, as they say, even though we don't have them. Um, and the truth is, there's a, lot, there's a lot to be said about this. And, and in some cases, there are huge things that we've just sort of come out of in the last, in the last 20 years, 10 years, with the whole thing with the, with the Roman church, the Catholic church, and all the, all the horrible things that had happened there, and, and, and how hard that is to, to, to deal with that. And some of you have, have uh, had to, had to you know, been confronted with some of those issues because of your background and so forth. Or it may be something, I'm going to use the word smaller, but it may not really be smaller. It may be only smaller in terms of scope. It may have only affected one family. That's too many, but it may not have been as widespread as some of the abuse that we've seen in other situations. The truth is we still need to address that. In some cases, jerk may not be the right word, but I think you can follow my drift on that. Let me show you three quotes um, that I think express this very well. Brian McLaren, one of my favorite authors, um, don't agree with everything he does, but I, I sure like him. He said this, show me a person who has rejected faith and nine times out of ten, I'll show you a person or group nearby who turned them sour with their example of bad faith. So true. He's been a pastor for a number of years. He understands that. Francis Collins in the language of God, the book we're doing now in our men's, uh, in our men's group every other Thursday night, second and fourth. Um, he said this, the church is made up of fallen people. The pure, clean water of spiritual truth is placed in rusty containers, and the subsequent failings of the church down through the centuries should not be projected onto the faith itself as if the water had been the problem. It's the containers. And a man that had great influence, one of my, my, uh, well, really a number of the founding fathers, Adams being one of them, uh, in fact, Voltaire died the year before we declared independence. Voltaire died 1775, but he was, uh, his writings were of great influence on the thinkers, founding fathers of this country. Listen to what Voltaire says. This is like in the mid-1700s. Is it any wonder there are atheists in the world when the church behaves so abominably? Amazing, isn't it? And I know in my own, as, 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 as outlandish as that sounds, you might be an atheist because of how people behave. I know in my experience, I've run into that where people well, I'm an atheist. Well, why are you an atheist? Well, you know what happened to me? And it, it, in my, and usually it's not about ideology or it's not about, well, you know, we, we got this one-celled thing going on and, and, you know, it's this. It's usually, well, you know what happened? And they give you an experience. So, and I'm always like, so that formed your opinion as to whether or not there's the, God exists? You know, let's, let's be reasonable here. All right, so let's answer this frustration. I'm going to do it rather quickly here. Um, answer this, why are, so many, why are so many of God's people jerks? Or why are there some? We can argue whether there's many, whether there's a few, but why are there some? And how come I had to meet them? How come I had to know who they are? 
And you know, and whether you're whatever church background you come from, or maybe it's not even in church, you just worked with some of them. Um, I'm going to show you four reasons why that why so many times we see some of God's people as just 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 jerks, you know, just residents of that jerkdom kingdom, you know, I like to call it. Every now and then, I, I kind of, I think, I don't, know, I don't know if I made that up or if I read that somewhere. Every now and then, my wife, not very often, but every now and then, my wife will say something like, are you dwelling in that kingdom of jerkdom again? You know, it's kind of like that, like, no, oh, not me. Anyway, here we go. Why? Because number one, knowledge doesn't always translate into practice. Knowledge is wonderful. A knowledge of the Bible is even more wonderful. And we need that. I, I come from a background where you learn the, you learn the Bible. You, you, the more you learn, the better you are. And you learn that, that truth or that precept. And you got it. And it's almost as if you get the knowledge, you have become godly. And so many times you see that in churches, good churches, Bad churches, whatever. And the truth is, knowledge doesn't always translate into practice. Let me show you. The apostle talks about this in Romans. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, do you do it? You condemn idolatry, but do you steal from pagan temples? You are, watch, watch, watch. You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the world blasphemes the name of God because of you. Wouldn't that be horrible? To think that the world, even one person in the world, might blaspheme the name of God because of how I treated them or because of what they saw in my life. That's a tough one. My encouragement to you is this. You don't want to become one of those jerks? Don't just learn it. Ask God to put it into your life. I don't care whether we're talking about just an understanding of a love for Christ or a love for others or some of the most simple precepts in the Scripture. Let it become a part of your life. The second reason kind of goes along with this first one, and I'll explain that. Why are so many of God's people's jerks? One, knowledge doesn't always translate into practice. Two, behavior overrules God talk every day. You say, what do you mean by that? Let me explain the point before I take you to the Bible here. Some, this is very new to some of you. To many of you, this is very new. Uh, this whole God talk thing. And, and there are people who, who, who they go to church or they hang out with their church friends and, and they have this whole, almost a, almost a different terminology. And they talk about, oh, praise God. Oh, God, help me find, Jesus, help me find a parking space. Oh, Jesus, you know. I got this great deal at Macy's. I just know Jesus did this for me, you know, and maybe it's Mr. Macy, but anyway, you know, and it's just, it it just goes on and on and on. And I'm not, listen, I'm not judging. I have friends that I love dearly that just every time I get around them, I'm like, translate for me. What did you just say? You know, and they talk about, you know, whether, whether they want to talk about being saved or whether they want to talk about being born again, not bad things Not love the concept. I'm not always nuts about the different words that we use, but, but it's a whole different type of terminology. One of the things I'll tell you, I had some of that many, many years ago in my background. And when we first uh, moved to Colorado, started church, you know, you know, I'm not there with a bunch of ski bums and, and, and second homeowners. You got the whole, you got the whole you talk about class struggle, we had it there. 
You know, you're, you know, we would refer to the lowest class as the lift attendants and the highest class as the investment bankers from New York who had second homes. Um, and we had them all. And so you, you learn what really communicates here and you start and you see people from different cultures, same way here, I believe, who come from different backgrounds, different, different kinds of churches, different parts of the country or the world. And you're like, you know, what are they talking about here? My point is this, you know, and those who do that, that's fine. You know, God bless them. That, that, that's their deal. And I'm not being critical of that. I'm just saying this. What really matters is not how we necessarily talk, assuming we're not blaspheming the name of the Lord or something, but it's how we live. And that's, I want to show you that. Look, look in, the, in Peter. Peter talks about that. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear brothers and sisters, you are foreigners and aliens here. Talking about the world, not New Jersey. He's talking about the world, okay? So, so, so I warn you. I felt the other though. So I warn you to keep away from evil desires because they fight against your very souls. Watch, watch, watch. Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, what? They will see your honorable talk. No, they will see your honorable behavior. And they will believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. It's about how you live. St. Francis said, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. And, and, and that's, that's the truth here. My, my behavior overrules whatever I might say, whether I talk about like being, you know, what I call a Christian-y vocabulary or not. If you do that, I'm not judging you. I'm really not. That, that's, just, that's, that's, fine. that's fine for you. Um, but that's not the issue. That's not the point of being a, a follower of Christ. The point is what happens internally and how that affects the external, how that affects, as, as Peter says here, as they see your honorable behavior, how you treat people, how you treat people when nobody's watching, how you deal with people, how you deal with your family. You know, and, and it's those kinds of issues that he's talking about. It's that behavior overrules that. And a lot of people haven't been able to understand that yet. That's why they end up in, in what we call jerkdom. Okay? That's the second thing. Third thing. This is, this is, the third thing is, I think is, I'm going to give, it's just a real simple point. And I think you maybe already know it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It, it's, it's an important one. Followers of Christ are called to a higher standard. They're just called to a higher standard. Okay? Now watch this. This is Romans talks about this. Romans chapter twelve. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Well, I might tell you that's a higher standard because a lot of people do. Do things in such a way that everyone can see. Here it is again that you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. We're called to a higher standard, and we're to do what we can do to live in peace with that obnoxious father-in-law or mother-in-law or stepdad or cousin or father or mother or adult child. We're called to go to the extra step. Does everybody want to live in peace? Nope. That's not the issue, though. You're to do whatever you can do. There's a limit what you can do. And there are times when you have to let it go and move on. But we're called, do as much as you can do. And then you move on. You say, well, they don't. No, it's not about them. It's about you. And they may never want to speak to you, and there's nothing you can do about that. You just do what you can do. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's just an occasional card, just to say, hey, I hope you're doing well. Followers of Christ, we're just called to a higher standard. Let me show you the fourth thing. 
Why are so many of God's people jerks? Well, they don't understand that knowledge doesn't always translate into practice because behavior overrules God talk, and they haven't figured that out yet, uh, because they're called to a higher standard, and they haven't always understood that. And the fourth thing is this. They have forgotten the most important thing, and that is this. You, if, you're a follower, if you're a follower of Christ, this is for you right now, okay? Wherever you are on that, on that spectrum, if, if you're a follower of Christ, this is for you. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. This is important. Let me show you this very quickly in, in, in 2 Corinthians. All, I want to talk about it just for a minute. All this newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task, it's the Apostle Paul talking here, the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message that he has given us to tell others. We are, here it is, we are Christ's ambassadors. And Christ is using us to speak to you. We urge you as through Christ himself, we're here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. For God watch, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I want to go back to verse 20, okay? Very quickly, we are Christ's ambassadors. You see that? Um, I know a little bit about this. And, and, and granted, the Apostle, the Apostle Paul is writing about he and, and uh, where he is at this point in his missionary journey. They are Christ's ambassadors. He's speaking of themselves, but in an application sense, that's true for all of us. We're all, if, if we're a follower of Christ at any level along that, along that spectrum, um, if we're a follower of Christ, we're ambassadors for Christ. And here, let me just tell you this. I'll, I'll just talk a minute about this because this is, I, and some of you know this. And, and about, I, I have for seven, eight years now led a, a little help lead, a little, um, well, sometimes it's little, sometimes it's big, um, group of ambassadors in the UN in a prayer group. And uh, from all shapes and sizes and all countries. And I've learned a lot about being an ambassador from them. I've learned a lot, though I haven't always practiced it, about being diplomatic uh, in that crowd. And they're just, they're all great gentlemen and ladies. And, and, and whatever they're there for, they're there to represent their country. And, and, and it, 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 it's everything from how you look to how you live to what you do. One time, one time we, we were in the dining, dining room four in the UN, is overlooking the East River. And, and, uh, and one, one of the ambassadors, I, I can't remember from where, I was from an African country, and I probably shouldn't say if I did, could remember. Um, he, he showed up in khakis with a jacket, blazer, nice shirt, and tie. And he apologized. He said, gentlemen, I'm sorry for my appearance today. Because in, in the UN, you wear a suit, you know, wherever you're, and I'm just thinking, I, I said, you know, we immediately took the, Kind of say, don't worry about that, we're fine. But isn't that funny? First thing, I want to apologize for my appearance today, even though this guy looked, you know, still looked like he stepped out of GQ or something. But they're so concerned as they try to represent their country, whether it be Eritrea or whether it be Kenya or whether it be Macedonia or Albania or whether it be Papua New Guinea or, or, or Tuvalu in the South Pacific or, or some of these other countries that I have to go get a globe to find. Um, they're so concerned that they have the right presentation, and here's why. Because a lot of people are like me. A lot of people in the UN and in New York, the only people they will ever meet, excuse me, the only person they will ever meet from Papua New Guinea or from Tuvalu or from the Marshall Islands or from Eritrea, the only person they will ever meet will be one person. 
And fortunately or unfortunately, they'll form their opinion, as you and I probably have done a few times, based on that one person that we met from that country. Stinking French. I mean, you know, I may have. No. If you're from, I'm just, I'm just teasing. But how many times have you met a French person and said, oh, man, most of the people who go there don't feel that way, I might add. We, we form our opinions based often on one person. Here's the, here's the point, folks. Let me get to it. There will be many people. If you're a follower of Christ, there will be many people where you live, where you work, where you play. The only scant of Scripture that they, the only thing, the only Bible they will ever read is you. The only thing they will ever know about Christ is you. You're an ambassador. How's that working for you? It's an important issue. I don't mean to cast guilt or burden upon you, but I want to challenge you in that way. That's why people come away from church or Christianity many times. They, oh, man, they're all, they're all jerks. Of course they know that we're not all jerks, but that's the impression that they've gotten. And listen, let me just say this. And we're gonna, just a minute, we're going to have the band come up, and, and, and they're going to do a song that's, I think, really appropriate. That's where this thing that Jesus... And the New Testament writers repeat over and over and over again comes into play. Because are all of us going to be jerks at one time or another? The answer to that would be not yes, but heck yes. Okay? That's why Jesus talked about humility so much. That's why the Bible talks about humility. Humility is, is, is basically being authentic with who I am and being able to be quick to ask for forgiveness, being quick to apologize for something that you said or did that that really wasn't appropriate. Because we're not going to be perfect. And there will be times when we'll all visit this little kingdom of jerkdom. And we need to be quick to get the heck out of there. And we also need to be quick to say, hey, don't don't make your judgments on me. I'm sorry. I'm fallen and I shouldn't have been there and, and, and and I was. It's called being authentic. It's called being humble. It has to do with this, this thing that, that, that Charlie's going to sing in just a moment. It has to do with, you know, people who just, either you're just going through the motions or it's really gripped your heart. And when it grips your heart, it's authentic and it's real. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it's real and it's authentic because it's, I'm not just going through the motions of this thing being a follower of Christ. And too many times people get their impressions of Christianity from those who are just going through the motions. Let me pray, and then I'm going to let Charlie and the band close the, uh, close the message out, all right, with this with great point. So let me pray. God, thank you for your grace that we so desperately need. Help us to have grace as we deal with those people, particularly those people of faith, but otherwise too, who often can be kind of jerky in our lives. Help us to give grace as we receive it from you. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace in every area of our lives and the forgiveness that we have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.